All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of This Week in College Football, brought to you by CFB Talk Daily. Today is Monday, December 20th. A little kind of a shorter episode today. We do have an interview with Jeremiah Hall, Oklahoma tight end. Uh, Fun interview. We talked about a lot about his podcast, his career, uh, a few of his rivalry games, his experience in Oklahoma. Uh, The first thing we're going to talk about non-interview-wise is uh, John, your Ducks have hired their new head. Uh, do you like Dan Lanning? Oh, I think it was one of the better options. I I kept seeing his name floated around for like big jobs, so I'm glad we didn't go hire someone like you know Jeff Fisher or some someone out of the blue, you know. Or uh, so that's not too bad. Um, I also saw that we were gonna be interviewed Justin Wilcox, so like I'm glad he didn't get hired. Uh, I think he kind of stinks even though he played at Oregon. Um, so I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty whelmed by Dan Lanning. I think it's a good hire. Yeah, I saw Dan. I saw Lanning as the uh, before. Uh, what's his name went to Oklahoma. Um, Venables. I saw Dan. Yeah, before Venables went to Oklahoma, I actually saw that there was a report in saying that him and Oklahoma were pretty close to a deal. And then obviously mm-hmm. Venables. Job. So it's not like they just got some random guy. This is, you know, like you said, someone who was in contention for another big job. Uh, so well, I, I hope it works out well for you. Yeah, me too. I hope he's a good coach. I saw that that he's apparently almost as good of a recruiter as Mario Cristobal, but he just also happens to be a defensive genius. So I hope that you know maybe some things happen there. Yeah, and I, for your sake, I hope he brings in a, like an incredible offensive coordinator. Um, well, he, brought, he brought in a Florida State offensive coordinator, uh, Kenny Dillingham. Dillingham was, but uh, and then, I mean he was their own line coach at Florida State, and their own line wasn't very good. Yeah, he was their O-line coach and their, uh, what do you call it, uh, OC. Yeah, their O-line stuff. So, half his jobs he wasn't very good at. Uh, <laughs> I don't mind. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out, because maybe it wasn't fully him. Maybe it was the product. Or maybe it was the people he was given to work with. Mm-hmm. I don't know, though. I saw Florida State live a few times this year, and I thought their offensive line and their offense weren't, weren't too big. Mm-hmm. He did have a – he was the uh, – Offensive corner at Auburn, where the QB coach when Bonex was there. That's why uh, Bonex chose Oregon, because Bonex had his best year under him. So that makes and sense. And how do you feel about that Bonex going to Utah? Uh, all right. So the more I look at it, right, because originally you saw my reaction, I was not happy. All right, I think Bonex stinks. But the other three quarterbacks on Oregon's roster are all in the same class, and there's only three of them. Only three other scholarship quarterbacks. So I don't mind bringing in a guy who's like, you know, even if he doesn't start, he's like a different class. So maybe he doesn't transfer. Well, obviously, he's not going to transfer again. His eligibility will be up, but maybe it'll keep the other guys from transferring because he's not bringing in someone in their class. I, I think this is, like, a pretty safe, like, bring in, if that makes any sense. I think that, like, Nick's one, he obviously works in the offense mm-hmm. in his best year under Willingham. And then, so, like, even if, if the guys that Oregon have don't fit to his offense already, all right, for a year, now you have a bridge year with Bo mm-hmm. Nick. And you can go find guys to fit you. You, he might, or even like if the guys, because they're still young, you might, you might be able to the mold them into your offensive scheme. They yeah, kind of have like a year to play things out rather than, all right, week one, let's hope that these you know, guys who weren't recruited to play this offensive style have, hope they can work. Now you at least have a guy who you can start off with, and you know if he gets beat out, he gets beat out. Mm-hmm. Hey, anyway, we I think organize week one against Georgia next next year. So if we want any chance of making a playoff next year. Uh, we're going to need someone ready by pretty much uh, the first quarter, week one. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the more I look at it, the more I don't hate it. Because even if he starts that game, 
gets through that game and then then switches, like it's still someone like who buys us some time. I think that's why I think honestly is like a nice little bridge. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, the more the more I see that and see it that way, I've I sort of come around here. I don't hate it. So next thing I'm going to talk about, uh, we just had what was it, early signing day, right? Yeah, early signing day. So outside of the biggest surprise on early signing day, what were some other surprise signings? Uh, classes who got a lot better um well we all know who the loser was so we'll get into that in a second but yeah uh oregon lost a lot of guys uh damani jackson one of the best corners in the west coast went to usc after his top two being alabama and michigan so that was uh quite interesting um he said that he only went there because they kept dante williams and hired lincoln riley um who well who else there was some some good ones. Rutgers finished their highest class, uh, second highest class ever. So yeah, I, I think that was that was their highest class since Shiano's last class, like when he took the Bucks job. So we never got to finish that job. Not, never got to finish that class, and a lot of that class didn't even end up at Rutgers. So that's that's you know that that class was a really good class that ended up being broken up. So mm-hmm. I did yeah, see so, that. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, yeah, I did see that. Uh, Lincoln Riley and USC have jumped up to 70. They jumped Tulane. So once again, Lincoln Riley <laughs> once again has squeaked past Tulane. Yep. Um, <laughs> I actually did there. <laughs> um, Texas had a really good day. They flipped a lot of guys. Um, they flipped an Ohio State corner. Um, they got uh, tackles coming to Oregon. A&M probably had the best day, though. Uh, A&M has, they have 27 guys signed, right? They have a five-star defensive lineman, a five-star receiver, another five-star D lineman, a five-star corner, a five-star quarterback, a five-star defensive lineman, and then like seven or eight more four-stars. And I feel like this has been the trend with A&M like the last five years. Like A&M is recruited very well with Jimbo Fisher. Huh? Oh, definitely. Incredibly well. Like I saw a thing today. It was uh. It was all. It was the total composite score on two four seven over the last decade, mm-hmm. and like within the last five years, you saw A and M break the top ten, get into like the top eight, and then like they've been top five with total composite scores over the last ten years. That just tells you how good they've been recruiting the last five years. Yeah, I actually just countered that. Uh, for this class, they have twenty of the top three hundred players in the composite. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of sure recruit, and I'm sure they recruited Texas well again, like they have the last. Oh, yeah. That's what that's what that's what they've done, really. If you look at their recruiting classes, like if you look at Texas's top players the last five years, a lot of them have went to Ana. Oh yeah. Which is what the move to the SEC was supposed to do for them, which it has. Definitely, they have a lot of talented guys from Texas in this class, including one who they, everyone thought was going to actually Texas. Uh, Evan Stewart, because he was, uh, I think he was high school teammates with Quinn Ewers. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's probably Texas's biggest signing of the class, and it's not even really the oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, he's, he's the biggest guy. Yeah. Which, we, we, we were getting fed inside information on all their signings. Yeah, yeah. we won't give up our source, but we knew there were good stuff coming. Yeah. Um, who right, else? Biggest, just... biggest loser. Let's, let's just get into Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before now. we get to that, the last one that was really good, uh, Florida. Dewey Napier, uh, got some guys that were really good. I think one of them was Shamar Stewart. I uh, decommitted from Florida when, um, 
Dan Mullen was fired. He was a favorite to Alabama, and he got him back in the fold as a five-star. So that was pretty impressive. But uh, biggest loser, you, you want to go into this? Yeah, uh, and I know Trevor's, <clears throat> Trevor's going to listen to this podcast I was just talking to him before we were recording. Uh, it's a bad day to be a Florida State to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like I said, uh, they're now DBU, down bad university. I, I mean, I, I honestly, when you first sent me the text about Travis Hunter and going to Jackson State, I thought you were, like, joking around. Like, I really thought you were just, like, you know, messing with me because it was, like, a funny meme. And then I looked it up, and it was, like, legit. Yeah, I, I was the same way. I thought it was uh, a troll. I didn't think it was serious. And then I saw it, and I was like, no way. Because he's, what, the number two player in the class? He's the number one. That's, uh, that's <laughs> I mean, that's bad. number one. And, like, I understand that, like, he said he idolized Deion Sanders. That's the only reason he's going to Florida State anyway, so why not just go play for Deion? Like, but, like, I said that, I understand, like, you go make your own wave, and I don't hate him because people think, like, you know, uh, people are not happy if you talk bad about uh, Jackson State or whatever. Yeah. But I'm not talking bad about them in general. I just think that, you know, if you perform bad at, at Jackson State, just say he has, like, a few injuries and, like, not the best thing, you're not going in the first round. You will go sixth, seventh round. That's costing you millions of dollars. I, I mean, that's the – maybe even sixth, seventh. If he, if he gets injured and doesn't play a lot, God forbid he gets injured. Or if he plays – say he plays his freshman year, he's great. And then sophomore, junior year is, like, injury riddled. Mm-hmm. Then, like, you're probably not getting drafted. Yeah, and, like, there, there's guys who have, like, that's happened to you. And, like, you end up getting drafted just because you went to a big school and it keeps buzz around your name, you know, like. Well, look at uh, – what was his name from uh, South Carolina? Lattimore. Lattimore, he had multiple knee injuries, and he still got the chance to play in the NFL. I don't think he ever played a snap because of his injuries. But if he plays in an FCS school, he never gets those chances. Absolutely. That's because, a good point. Also, I think iron sharpens iron. Like, you're not going to get much better, like, playing. I'm sure there's ballers there, but they're not, like, the quality you're going to get playing against SEC guys. I, I just think, you know, like, sure, if he wanted to go play for Dion, all right, you know what, I can't fault the kid for doing what he wanted to do. You know, he has an opportunity to make that kind of decision. He can. Yeah. But, I'm like, I'm seeing a lot of people on, like, Twitter who are like, oh, what's the big deal now? You know, now their games are going to be on national TV, but he'll still get seen by the scouts. NFL's going to find him. If he goes to Florida State, every game every week is on national TV. Yeah, I, what are you going to tune into week five? Alabama, Ole Miss, Tennessee, A&M, or Jackson State Rams? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Especially because, like, I mean, I will say, I don't fault him uh, who no, for choosing Jackson State. I, I because, don't. like I said, I read a whole thing about how he said, like, Deion was his idol growing up. And, like, he, he plays both ways like Deion Sanders did. So, like, I understand, like, okay, fair enough. He makes a really good point. Like, why not just go play for him? Like, if that's who you want to be, you know, like. Yeah, because, like, that's, you know, if you're in that position where you can go and play for your idol, all right, cool. You know, I more power to you. I have no problem. I think there's a lot. Dion's name has quietly been in the talks for other jobs. Mm-hmm. Like, what happens in the in two years? If, or, you know, next year, if Dion takes another job. Well, you just go join him. Get to sit out of here. No, no you don't. Not anymore. No, but it's the transfer rule. You can transfer once, so it's in. Oh, it's right, that's right. 
All right, guys. So today we got on Jeremiah Hall from Oklahoma. Jeremiah, thank you for coming on. What's up, guys? Appreciate you having me. Oh, no, we appreciate you coming on, man. All right, so the first thing we want to jump into, this is kind of just a little background about you. Uh, it looks like, you know, your first two years at Oklahoma, you played a lot of fullback, then you got transitioned into tight end where, I mean, you performed very well. I mean, statistically, I mean, your numbers are very nice as a tight end. How was that transition for you? Like, how was it approached? How did it kind of, how did someone come up to you and tell you they wanted to transition you? How did you receive that question? And, you know, what were some kind of difficulties that you didn't expect to happen during the transition? You know, in high school, I played tight end, and then I got moved to receiver, and then I played a little bit of running back. And so I've had experience pretty much everywhere on the field. And so whenever my my time came here at Oklahoma to transition a little bit more from a blocking guy to a move guy, um, a little bit more carries, you know, it really felt natural. You know, I was honestly reminded of my days back in high school and e each year I grew in high school, my sophomore to junior year, a little bit more touchdowns, my, my junior year to my senior year, a little bit more touches, a little bit more touchdowns and the, the same process happened here. And so uh, the only difficulties I'd say was um, <laughs> getting used to running a lot more routes and, and doing <laughs> So when you're when you're used to blocking and, and not going very far, that's that's kind of easy compared to running all over the field. So so it really wasn't like a transition. It was almost like a going back. Right. Because you said you played it in high school. So you already had a lot of like different, you know, you had the techniques down, but you hadn't done it in college. So it was more of like, all right, I know how to do this. Let me get that thought back and let's just re put it back into my game. Yeah, yeah, more so like a reunion than a, a transition. Yeah, yeah, like a nice reunion. Yeah. So, you know, between checking out your Twitter, I see that you also host a podcast. Yes, sir, the podcast on the prairie, the inside scoop for the Oklahoma Sooners. I mean, you can't get more inside scoop than, than having players on the team, you know. But yeah. So, I mean, obviously we both know, you know, well, myself and John, that is, you know, a podcast takes a lot of time. Not a lot of people realize that. How do you manage between, you know, you guys have a grueling schedule at Oklahoma between practices, meetings, class and everything and and doing the podcast. Like, how did you divide that time and figure out you know, to have like a, a consistent schedule and get things out? Yeah, you know, it starts with our producer, Alex, man. I, I always shout him out in, in any interview or any podcast that I do for my own, he makes things so easy for me and Braden. You know, it started way back when, when he, you know, offered uh, me uh, to, to be a host. And so he laid it out for me. He said, this is how it's going to work. I'll take care of this. I'll take care of that. All you guys will have to do is record. And so that's pretty much all me and Braden do. You know, after a game, Alex gives us our, uh, our talking points. Uh, he suggests certain guests. Um, at the end of the day, it's pretty much up to me and Braden. But no matter who we, you know, come up with, no matter the situation, he's always prepared. He always gives us enough talking points to to carry a conversation for two hours if we need to. And so we log on. Uh, we talk football for an hour, twenty minutes, uh, cut some stuff out, and. That's it. You know, we leave the rest up to him and he makes our lives so much easier. He's easier. He's always available. 
And yeah, so big credit to him uh, in terms of getting guys on the pod. You know, it doesn't really take too much. Normally after a game or even during the fourth quarter, if we're blowing somebody out, I'll be like, yo, you want to hop on or <laughs> shoot somebody a text. But yeah, you know, that that's pretty much it. Uh, we have a great guy, um, great team between the three of us, and um, he makes our, our jobs easy. Yeah, and it's, it's funny that you just brought up like getting guys on because I can imagine it's so much easier for you because like for us, like 90% of the time, if we want to have a guy on who's on a roster in college, we have to go through the social media guy, their press release guy, their team, like press. So it's a lot, you know, we have to go through a lot of stages where I saw you just had Caleb Williams on. So <laughs> how, how did that go? You just shot him a text like, hey, man, you around? You want to jump on the podcast for a few minutes? Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> it wasn't that simple with, with Caleb. You know, there were, there were some things that uh, I had to make sure that that QB1 was was cool with doing and so yeah you know he uh that was that was his first time speaking to the public you know he hadn't done an interview with espn um 24 7 sports our local newspaper nobody and so we were the first person to get caleb to to speak and so that brought a lot of attention so shout out to him i'm, I'm appreciative of, of my yeah, young that's awesome that they had that yeah yeah, uh, this, actually, these type of interviews have been a little bit different for me, though, because um, with NIL, I don't really have to go through our our um, our communications people because most of the time I'm talking about my podcast. And so if it has to do with my podcast, I can just accept the interview. But any other time, yes, you would have to go through uh, the our uh, communications and all that type of stuff. Oh, yeah. We <laughs> We we got so, in trouble a while ago because we were well, I mean we're young we're young we're Army, just like yeah. we didn't know about this stuff so we had a quarterback from Army on like our first first or second guest and they emailed us right back when we messaged him directly we were like hey you want to come on he was like yeah sure like a day later we got a message from like the University of like, Army's like press person was like yeah you can't do this like sent us the whole stats and we were like we are 19 years old we have no idea what we're doing like sorry we didn't mean to offend anybody. <laughs> Yeah, no, I completely understand, man. I have to. <laughs> I've had to tread careful with with the whole putting information out on the team and everything. So it's it's definitely been a a learning journey. I'd say that. Uh, it's crazy because you talk about like the Oklahoma local newspaper. Did you see uh, the student uh, earlier this year who climbed up on the building to watch you guys practice? No, I did not. And. <laughs> Some effort definitely had to be put in to get that video because we have people that watch that specific building all the time during mm -hmm. practice. And so I'm not sure how he pulled it off, but, you know, kudos for him for getting the footage and, and uh, breaking yeah. the news. He said uh, it was during the Cole uh, Caleb and Spencer thing, and he uh, said he went up there with binoculars and I think like some camping supplies and was up there watching practice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised, but I mean, that's how much people love Oklahoma football here. So I wasn't mad at them. You know, I guess really the only people that were upset or had a problem with it was uh, Coach Riley and, and the rest of the, the media people. But I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, I messaged him and I was like, honestly, this is great work. I can't believe you got up there and we're just binoculars and all. It's commitment. Like, Yeah, <laughs> big time commitment from him. But. <laughs> would it would it be me though? I couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, you know I I love that because like I I like being like a funny little troll like doing stupid stuff like that. And I think that's like 
top tier, like just being a nuisance. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't get much work. Um, yeah. Oh, you want to go first? Yeah, I can go first. Yeah. So, um, like we already, you already kind of talked about when you're talking about Caleb, you referred to him as QB one, and I think that you kind of have a unique outlook on this whole situation with between Caleb and Spencer and going throughout the whole season. The media covered it a lot. So I want to, I want to know because you were involved in the locker room and team practices. Does that kind of stuff have a toll, like on the team itself? Like you guys are going to practice, you know, practicing your reps with either Spencer one week, Caleb next week, and then you leave practice and you go on ESPN and they're talking about you, know, you got Marcus Spears saying, "Well, I think this is the guy. I think this is the guy." So does that have any kind of toll on the team offensively, like having the media talk about who they think their guy is? You know, I don't think that our guys pay too much attention to that simply because each quarterback gets a, a good amount of reps, whether you're QB1 or QB2, during practice. And so we were used to practicing with Caleb. You know, Spencer always got more reps, but Coach Riley did a good job of mixing guys in and making sure that he was prepared if need be. He did that in the past with Kyler and Baker. Um Tanner Mordecai and, and Jalen Hurts, and he's he's done it every single year that that I've been here. And so when when Caleb went in and had an opportunity to go out there and and uh, change the game, it was pretty much just next man up. You know, it's not the first time it's happened. It's just that at quarterback, it's a little bit more noticeable because uh, you know, it's quarterback. You know, we, I've been pulled, um, other guys have been pulled, and so. It wasn't anything that we had to adjust to. It was simply, you know, this is where we're at. Um, we trust them. And this is this is what we're going to do. You know, it'd be different if, if Caleb didn't earn the position. But in this case, we all literally wit- witnessed him, you know, earn the reps, um, go out there, perform, and then earn the reps again the next week. And so we, we were all in favor for it. You know, it was just kind of. We'll support um, either one, regardless. Yeah, so you, know, you guys kind of had whoever's back because you guys knew that whoever it was had earned that spot. Yeah. In, in essence, right? Okay. Yeah. You know, when you're at a place like Oklahoma, um, especially here recently, we always got one in the stable. So it's. Yeah. Really, yeah. <laughs> we're not panicking for quarterbacks around here. Sure. Uh, I just want to ask, like, uh, do you know, like, during that Texas game? Because I feel like that's when Caleb Williams kind of took over. Like, did it feel different once he came in, like that one run he had? Like, did you feel like, okay, this kid's different? Or did you always know that, like? No, I always knew he could run the ball. I was more certain. I was more concerned with his ball security than anything. (laughs) I was, I thought he was going to fumble the way he was carrying that thing. But, uh, no, I've seen him make these plays in practice. Like I said before, it it was nothing new to us. We were just happy that he was able to go out there and actually do it. But did he ever make the uh, stealing the ball from the running back on fourth down and picking up a first in practice? Because that's like one of the craziest plays I ever saw in my life. Oh, yeah. Now that <laughs> that that was different. That was something else. I have never seen that before in my life. Honestly, I didn't even realize what he did until after the play was over and they were re-showing it on the the big screen. And then I go back and look at it after the game. And yeah, that was that was breathtaking. I'm not even gonna lie. I didn't. I don't even have anything to say about that. That's just 
something we'll probably never see again for like the next hundred years. <laughs> no, I remember when I was watching it live, I was like, how did he get that ball back? Or like, I was like, maybe it was a design for that. And then I'm watching, I'm like, that was not a design. That was just pure like football knowledge. Like, give me the ball. I have a better chance of getting this first than you right now. So like, I was like, yeah, that is like the most incredible like improv, improv like I've ever seen ever. <laughs> I was more surprised that Kennedy actually let the ball go than Caleb taking it. Because normally yeah. if that was me, I'm not letting the ball go. But I talked, Kennedy's my roommate, so I was talking to him afterwards, and he said that he saw Caleb out of the corner of his eye and just let that thing go. So I was like, well, kudos to, to y'all, too, because that was amazing. That's why I, I had to think, like, I was like, maybe he's back there, like, yo, it's Caleb, give me the ball, give me the ball, it's Caleb, give me the ball. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no way you just give that ball up that easily. But if that's what happened, I mean, surely that was, like, one of the craziest plays I saw this year. <laughs> I know, right? That's what I, I just saw that uh, Kenny Brooks isn't sitting out the bowl game. He's playing, but I'm sure you knew that already. It's not breaking news to you. Yeah, no, I, I make sure that boy is going to play in this game. I'm not going to let him sit around here and stay in bed. So I said, you come <laughs> with me, and we're going to finish this last one out. Nice, nice. Uh, so one of my questions I had was, uh, so obviously you guys have some big rivalries in Oklahoma, being Oklahoma State, Texas. Um, how much bigger than is that than a regular game for you? Like, do you feel the difference going into it, or is just another game for you? Well, Texas is uh is is different in itself. You know, I'm not sure if any other game could can compare if you know the you know, when you think about Oklahoma and Texas, you know, maybe you think about Auburn and Alabama, maybe you think about Ohio State and and uh Michigan and those games, but I or was it Michigan State, but you know, Texas is I don't even know how to describe it to you that's standing out there at the coin toss like i did this year seeing the stadium field split directly down the middle like you stand on the 50 yard line and that thing is split right down the middle it's nothing that i've ever seen before nothing really that i can compare it to and i'm really going to miss playing in that game especially but also Looking at Oklahoma State, you know, Bedlam is always crazy. Bedlam is is not like Texas in terms of it's not like the the energy of the game is just a little bit different than Texas, but it's always a hard-fought game as well. You know, it's loud for the most part, especially in Stillwater. That that stadium is a little bit tighter. Um, their fans uh, a lot closer. Those paddles a lot louder, and so. Especially this year, this past year, this past uh, game that we lost, that was probably one of the most exciting Bedlam games that I've been a part of. And sadly, we were on the wrong end of it in terms of the final score. But each one is different. Each one is fun. And I'm truly, like I said, I'm going to miss both of them. Sure, sure. I mean, I, the Texas game this year was probably the best game of the year, in, in my opinion. Because, I mean, it looked like you guys were dead in the water for a little bit. And then out of nowhere, you guys just couldn't be stopped on offense. And then... Uh, the final run by, I, th- I think it was uh, Kennedy Brooks who scored at the end of the game, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was just, because everyone thought, all right, they're going to get a field goal here. We're going to play for overtime. And Kennedy Brooks is like, no, not so fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember I remember talking to him right before that. And he was like, you know, DeMarco said, uh, if I can go get it, go get it. And sure enough, uh, he went and go got it. I mean, he went and got it. So, that I, I can't really compare that Texas game to any other game that I've seen in college football. I definitely think that's probably the game of the year. 
yeah, there were so many big plays in that game too, I mean, especially the first play with Xavier Worthy. I mean, like that was because he he was pretty different that game too. And then it felt like it was just a shootout. Both sides. That's what Texas Oklahoma should be every year. It feels like. Yeah. No. That first play what was it. First play. Second play. Yeah, I think it was the first yeah. second play. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I saw that and I was just like, here we go. You know, I knew Texas always has something crazy to happen, and it just so happened that the craziest stuff you know, happened in the first two minutes of the game and next thing you know, we're down 14-0. And so what was wild though, we knew that we could still come back and win the game. You know, they were walking up the tunnel at halftime and we were running up the tunnel, you know, trying to get into the locker room and they're walking slow and we have all the energy and felt like even though we were down two scores, we had all the momentum. And so, Caleb goes around talking to all the guys. Everybody's hyped up and ready to go back out there and make some plays. And it's no surprise that we won that game. For sure, for sure. All right, so uh, my last question. I think Matt has one more, and then, then we'll let you go because you probably got a lot of stuff going on today. But uh, did you see the whole uh, Smokergate thing situation? Did you see that on Twitter? Smokergate. <laughs> oh, my God. So uh, when Lincoln Riley uh, left for uh, USC, which we're not going to get into that with you, but – uh, he had some smokers left from like a Oklahoma, like, uh, like a guy who donates a lot of money to the program and the guy couldn't get them back. And they were like $50,000 each. Oh so had... yeah. Tra- Travis's smoke. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was texting about the other day and I was, he was like, yeah, we made a wanted poster everything. Cause you saw that like it, it made its way to the locker room. Wow. No, I didn't know that he couldn't get them back. I just knew that he had to go back because yeah because matter of fact i was talking to travis and he said yeah i gotta come to norman and get some smokers so i was like okay cool and then i saw a picture of him with the smokers but i didn't know that he couldn't come get them yeah, yeah so, so i uh, think what happened was when when riley takes the job maybe like a day or two later travis text maybe maybe this isn't exactly how it went but this is how i kind of understood it like uh like travis texan was like yo you got my smokers like where are they at and then he like didn't hear from him he just didn't answer his phone he was like well I don't know what to do. He's like, you know, they already moved out. Like, the house is empty, and my smokers are still there. And I saw people on Twitter, they were like, oh, like, just get the garage code, like, blah, blah, And he was like, I have the garage code. I just don't know the gate code for the community or wherever he lives in. So his, his smokers were realistically kind of, like, kidnapped for a week. Like, this wasn't, like, a two-day thing on Twitter. Like, I, I saw about this, like, a week. I was ready to fly down to Norman and, like, you know, get the <laughs> smokers back. Yeah, mask up and go get them. Yeah, I'm trying to walk in and be like, all right, where's the smoker? Oh, wow. So he finally got the gate code to get into the community and got smokers. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know exactly how we got them, but he got them. And I mean, that's when she tweeted out, you know, they're secured in the back of my truck. We were all, and me and John let out a sigh of relief because we've talked to Travis a lot. And I was like, dude, this is so messed up. Like, how do you just steal someone's smokers of all things? <laughs> that's funny. Shout out to Travis. He's a good guy. <laughs> He's a really good guy. Uh, so, so my last question, uh, obviously, Oklahoma, Texas, moving to the SEC. Yeah. When you saw that and you knew that you know, your eligibility would be up by then, did you were you kind of like, damn, like I kind of wish I got to play in the SEC for a year or two? Or like, are you like, all right, like I got my time here. Obviously, I appreciate the time I had. I'm not going to think, damn, I wish I could have played in the SEC. Like, did that cross your mind at all? Yeah, for sure. I definitely wish that I still had some eligibility or not necessarily some more eligibility, but I wish I was 
I was born uh, about two or three years later, so I can go over there and whoop up on those boys too because the narrative is always that the SEC is is better than everybody else. And granted, you know, I, I know they got some good players, a, a whole bunch of high-ranking kids and, and great athletes over there, but uh, I, I feel like I can go over there and compete with those boys and, and beat up on some of those linebackers too. So definitely wish I, I, I could stay and, and hang around, but uh, I think I'd rather go beat up on them in the NFL. So I think they'll be all right. Yeah, beat up on Sundays when it really, when it really, really counts. Yeah. All right, Jeremiah. We just want to thank you again for coming on, man. Uh, best of luck with you know everything in your future. Uh, best of luck in the Alamo Bowl coming up against John's Oregon Ducks. I am John the Oregon guy. <laughs> <laughs> John, you're an Oregon guy. Oh, I'm I'm an Oregon guy. Yeah, but you know what? For this game, if you score, I won't be too mad about it. All right. Well. I think you might be not too mad, maybe at least two or three times. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I mean, you might have you might have Noah Sue on you, so I mean, he's kind of an animal, but we'll see. You're an animal too, so. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you're good. I appreciate you guys. Uh, thank you yeah. for letting me come on. Anytime, man. Thank, thank you. you again. Appreciate him. All right, so that was Jeremiah Hall. Uh, definitely had some interesting takes on a lot of different things. Talked a lot about the quarterback controversy. Gave us an inside the locker room kind of thought on that. That was definitely awesome. Shout out to him for coming out. Um, and by the way, if, if me and John both sound nasally in this episode and like sick, um, John's going through some, he's having problems with his wisdom teeth. So it like hurts for him to talk right now. And I have, I've also came down with COVID again. So uh, this is like our flu game episode. Kind of not really. I kind of just have nothing else to do right now. So I, I have all the time in the world. So if anyone wants to play Call of Duty or anything, message me. Uh, I'm looking for people to play with all the time. Um, but so back to our bowl mania. So after nine games, uh, I am four and five. I started off two and oh. I've gone two and five since. Uh, App State really, really killed me. BYU put a real big, real big killer. That just sucked. Uh, I'm, I mean, even like that. Did you see the end of the BYU game? No. They called a. There was a BYU had the ball. They were driving with like a minute left, and they oh. called a fumble on a ball that like was the most clear dropped pass I've ever seen in my life. It wouldn't have made a difference either way because they wouldn't have covered even if they scored. They were down three, so they would have won by four. So like, it literally would not have made a difference. But, like, being right is, like, at, at least at BYU 1, I could be like, all right, pick a winner. But So, I'm 4 and 5. Uh, I want to say I just saw your, you're 5 and 4, but you started off 0 oh and 4. So, you've been on a uh, burner. All right. I was 0 oh and 4. Things are looking terrible. People were calling me out on Twitter. I got someone say, you're 0 oh and 2. How am I shocked? You messed this up. Then I've won five straight. Well, you got to remember, you have a lot to prove here. Because your game day against the spread picks this year, huh? pretty slow. I, to, be, to be fair, I was the closest person besides NCAAF Nation to be 500. I was close. I, was close. I, I saw a lot of haters in those comments every week. Oh, yeah. Uh, people were pissed. So now they're looking for you. Hmm? Right now, let's see. Let's see in the top fives. We got we got 42 to 3. He's 6 and 3. We have what, a four-way one, a four-way tie for first. Uh, and then we have a lot of people at five and four. A lot of people at five and four. But I'm, I'm right there. 
I'm tied for 21st, but I'm, I'm really just two games away. And yep, I got, I got I, my, I'm tied for fifth. I got my two games. All right, you got some upsets in there? I got a few upsets in there because when I made these picks, and I'm pissed I didn't know that they locked because I really thought I was a bandit for doing this, I just pretty much went down every bowl game and was like, well, is their best player going to play? Well, they they, they don't lock until uh, kickoff. Yeah, I was was not made aware of that. And I believe, I want to say, yep, that that is the reason that I took Eastern Michigan yesterday over Liberty because I was like, there's no way Malik Willis is going to play. In the poopy doo bowl game. And then he played and they put up 50. Yeah, and he didn't even play that good. That's like the, that's like the double annoying part. I think he, he was like 13 to 25. I know. All right, well, I think that wraps up this one. Uh, we had a good interview. Uh, we're going to have another good interview coming up. And uh, we think maybe have Patrick on. And you guys see who Patrick is soon. Yeah, Patrick won. He, uh, he asked what he had to do to come on. And we told him if the tweet got 15 likes. And it got like 20, so well-deserved from Patrick. Mm-hmm. So we will have Patrick on. Not sh- not sure what will come of that interview. Um, I'm, I really just don't have no idea what we're going to talk to Patrick about, but we will. We'll figure it out. because we <laughs> not actually a clue. Not a clue. Life, so it's kind of like we can figure something out. But I, I have right. a plan, actually. But I have, I have right. a plan. As long as one of us has a plan, because I have no plan. But, all right, guys, thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the uh, interview. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And best of luck to everyone left in our bowl mania.